up Knives Down. Get ready for a plate full of wellness opportunities and join us as we take a bite out of the Little Apple. I am your host, Katie Weavy. And I am Becky Goff, and this is the Little Apple Bites podcast. Today we have Debbie Nuss, director of the Flint Hills Wellness Coalition, joining us for our podcast. Welcome, Debbie. We're so glad to have you. Thank you, Katie. Good to see you again, Becky. Yeah, you too. So we ask all of our guests the same question to start off our podcast, and that is, what makes the Little Apple special to you? The thing that makes the Little Apple special to me is that this community, despite so many challenges that we face in terms of, um, as you know, we have a high degree of poverty in this community, and we have that notorious distinction of being the um, county in the nation with the longest standing highest poverty rate, that somehow we still are able to come together and meet the needs of the most vulnerable people in our community. And we do it in a way that those people still feel like they're included and respected and part of, of what makes Manhattan a, a, a great place to live. That's awesome. That's a Com- that's a completely original, different answer than we've gotten before. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's very similar. A lot of them have, a lot of people have said it's the people that are here and that sort of thing that kind of left, has brought them here or has them staying here. So, yeah. well, but, yeah. I think, you know, again, a lot of good things are going on in Manhattan, but, but we do have that high percentage <clears throat> of the population that does struggle on a daily basis. I yeah. mean, 25% of a population of 67,000 people. That's a lot of people that are struggling to keep a roof over their head, feed their feed their children, um, pay their bills, um, just all those things. But yet, um, as a community with with I what I consider very limited resources, we are able to work to meet the needs of those vulnerable people in the community. And so, I think that for me, I mean, other communities do things, but right. I think we do things in a more um, collaborative manner and a compassionate manner and um, really are sincere in our efforts that we want people to have um, happy and good lives here. Yeah, absolutely. And that partially you probably have more of that perspective working uh, with the Flint Hills Wellness Coalition. Can you give us a brief history? Tell us what the Flint Hills Wellness Coalition does. Sure, absolutely. So the Wellness Coalition actually started kind of informally in 2013 when a group of individuals in the community were interested in um, offering healthy food options at the concessions and vending machines associated with Manhattan High School. And so um, at that time, they used the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation as their fiscal agent and applied for a Kansas Health Foundation grant that allowed them to do that. And through those efforts, then um, more interest, people became more interested in looking at issues related to health and health equity in the community. And so we organized to um, take on the priorities that came out of the 2015 community health improvement plan that the Riley County Health Department um, had done. And at that time, our priorities were access and coordination of services, mental health, and transportation. And we established three work groups. And out of the access and coordination of services work group, we developed what is called the Flint Hills Community Care Team. So in 2018, we stood up the Flint Hills Community Care Team. And this group meets twice a month on the first and third Wednesdays of the month from 12 to 1. And it is the social services safety net in our community, plus other organizations like Riley County Police Department, Manhattan Housing Authority, USD 383. And what we do is provide then case management and wraparound services to individuals that get referred to us because they might overutilize the emergency department or emergency medical services for their health care. Mm. What we often see is the reason that they go to the emergency department or call EMS is, is not because they're having a medical crisis, but it's because they're having some other kind of crisis. Might be a mental health issue. It might be that they're at risk of being evicted from their homes and are going to be homeless. Um, they um, um, might have lack of transportation, so they can't get to jobs. And so what we do is work collaboratively then as, as agencies together so that we're all on the same page 
to make sure that those services we provide to those vulnerable in- individuals are, are met in a more coordinated fashion. It also eliminates the possibility that people will, what I call, um, hop from one agency to another mm-hmm. to try and get services. And they might modify their story just a little bit in terms of what they need. When each agency has such a limited amount of resources to provide to the community, the fact that we meet together twice a month and can talk about those specific individuals and that we're all on the same page in terms of what needs to be done to help those individuals means that those individuals' needs are met sooner and that agency resources are um, more efficiently utilized, basically. So that's what happened in 2015. Um, Also, in terms of the mental health work group, we supported the efforts to get the crisis stabilization unit Mm -hmm. started. Um, that Pawnee has has been managing since that time. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of transportation-related issues, of course, we obviously always support efforts to improve public transportation in the community and try to um, lobby on behalf of the Flint Hills Area Transportation Agency to make sure that they um, are, are funded to the extent that they can continue to provide public transportation services. Then in um, 20. 17, we were one of 20 communities that received a Healthy Communities Initiative grant from the Kansas Health Foundation. Mm -hmm. Um, Those grants were focused on looking at an area of your community where health equities might be very, very apparent. Um, At that point, we identified Northview as an area that had some significant health inequities issues. Um, We looked at census data and determined that residents who live in Northview had a life expectancy that was 10 years less than the rest of the community. And so we had to ask ourselves, why is that? Why is it that people that live in Northview have a shorter lifespan than people that live in the rest of the community? And we determined that there were several factors that were going on there. Access to services because they're kind of an island. Mm -hmm. Um, Transportation at that point, there weren't a lot of um, ATA bus stops in that area. Mm -hmm. Um, Limited sidewalks in those neighborhoods. So in terms of people being able to walk safely, getting kids to school, um, getting to the grocery store, basically, or getting to services, um, and then getting to medical services. So it's interesting that area isn't considered a um, low to moderate income area in terms of um, the city and their community development block grants, but yet it's an area that struggles um, because it has lack of access to services in that area. So that three-year grant focused on um, teaching the residents in that neighborhood how to organize and advocate on behalf of themselves in terms of um, making sure that they got their what I would consider fair share of community resources. So they did advocate uh, for the trail that connects Northview to Tuttle Creek Boulevard that so people that could walk and bike to get across to get to Hy-Vee and Walgreens and into the main part of the community. Um, They advocated um, for some changes to the Anthony Anthony Recreation Center. Um, They advocated for an additional space in there that has yet to be finished out by the city though, that provides um, a meeting room and a kitchen space if the city would ever decide to to completely finish it out. And then um, it also just gave a chance for those neighbors to get to know each other better so that if, if issues ever do come up, they can advocate on behalf of that neighborhood in a more coordinated fashion. So like I said, we were one of 20 communities um, in, in 2017 that that were part of that um, Kansas Health Foundation grant. Then in 2020, we actually were one of 27 communities that were awarded a Pathways to a Healthy Kansas grant by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Kansas. And for the past four years, we have been focused on um, issues related to active lifestyles, nutrition, and commercial tobacco use. And that four-year grant which was a $200,000 grant, um, $50,000 a year for four years, opened up opportunities for our community partners to apply for what are called implementation grants. So, for example, the city of Manhattan applied for a $100,000 implementation grant to provide the match 
that they need for their KDOT grant that is going to put a sidewalk along the north side of Fort Riley Boulevard between Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard and Westwood. Oh, nice. If you if you mm-hmm. walk along there right or drive along there right now, there is a um, dedicated what they call cow path yeah. where you see people um, dragging grocery carts or pushing strollers or trying to ride their bicycles along that area. So this provides that final connection then um, from from Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard to Westwood because the improvements from Westwood on had already happened then. So um, we were fortunate enough to be able to be part of the city being able to get that $100,000 match. Um, Flint Hills Bread Basket has also been the recipient of Pathways Implementation Grant funding that have allowed them to buy a new reach-in freezer um, for their frozen products. The one they had before was the old-fashioned chest type where you had to reach down into it mm. and, and you couldn't, couldn't see what was in there. Right. And then they are also implementing um, healthy healthy eating standards to encourage their guests to make healthy choices when they when they get their food from the bread basket. Yeah. Um, Another project that we had that we're pretty excited about was a grant that USD 383 got to do their um, community perception study or survey about repurposing the cafeteria at 901 Points, now called the Lincoln Education Center, which is where Common Table will be moving to in the fall of this year so that Common Table meals will be in one single location every night of the week instead of dispersed out at a different location. Yeah. So, um, and then the Food and Farm Council um, got a grant to develop the master food plan that I'm sure you've heard lots of things about the work that the Food and Farm Council has done. Um, Kitchen Restore is a project they do, Kansas Student Table. Um, they do Flint Hills Food Recovery. So all of that came out of the um, master food plan that was done through that grant. That four-year grant is winding up here in July. Um, but the work from all of those things will carry on after that. Then kind of most recently, we have new work groups that have been established as a result of the 2020 community health improvement process that the health department went through. And those work groups were mental health, um, housing, and again, transportation. The mental health work group held a local mental health system assessment back in October where, um, from what we can tell, we are the first community in the state to do any kind of local mental health system assessment because we couldn't find a model anyplace mm-hmm. else of any place else that had done it. So about 100 individuals from the community attended um, a three-hour meeting where we talked about um, suicide, homeless issues, um, mental health and youth, and just general mental health. And we are in the process of writing our white paper to share out into the community about what we think are some of the priorities that the community should be addressing when it comes to comes to mental health. Um, housing is working on several issues. We did a housing conditions survey where we had volunteers that walked the neighborhoods in the area, generally, I want to say, um, east of Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard to... Bluemont, and then east to Third Street, and then um, the south border was uh, Fort Raleigh Boulevard. And what we did was we walked around and we visually um, assessed the conditions of housing. Um, we looked at to see if they needed a new roof, if it needed painting, um, what the condition of the foundation looked like. And um, we wanted to take take that information and use it to complement the work that the city's doing to address the issue of workforce housing, um, to help them decide, um, whether repurposing existing housing stock makes sense or whether it all has to be new construction in order to, to meet those workforce housing needs. Um, I, w- I would say that all of the work of the coalition is really grounded in a health and all policies perspective. Um, we think that health um, is impacted by any decision that's made by any elected officials. Um, if you think about planning and zoning decisions, um, whether or not you put a sidewalk in in a neighborhood has health implications. Um, whether or not you provide 
a way for there to be a bus stop in a new street has health implications. Um, there's, there's just not many decisions that don't have health implications. Um, I'm thinking, for example, tonight the city commission is going to be asked to consider the idea of raising the sales tax um, to provide additional revenue for the city's general fund budget to accommodate the possible construction of an indoor pool. So that one is kind of a two-edged sword, if you think about it. Um, yeah. An indoor pool definitely has health benefits. Right, yeah. Increasing sales tax for low-income people, maybe not so much. Right. So um, what's the right decision in terms of that one? Um, the coalition will probably be looking at that and, and probably take a position on it at some point because um, we'll want to make sure that those elected officials consider those decisions from from all from all points of view. Yeah. So that's pretty much what we're up to. We are a 501c3. Um, we did become a 501c in 2022. Before that, we were just a loosely formed grassroots group. So we do have a board of directors, uh, nine people from various um, agencies around the community. Um, and um, we meet monthly, the second Thursday of the month from 12 to 1. Our work groups meet at various times depending on, on their schedules. But um, we're pretty busy. We're pretty pretty active. Yeah, I didn't realize the connection like between Flint Hills Wellness Coalition and like Flint Hills Breadbasket getting that freezer or like Common Table and getting the space at the Lincoln Education Center because we've had both of those groups on our podcast here back in the fall to and, talk about and they those talked very about things. those exact yeah. things that you just mentioned and like didn't actually realize the connection there. So well. We try to not brag too much because the work the work is what is important. Right. Getting getting things done is what is important. Yeah. But um, we we do try to, like I said, um, work hard. It's the collaboration again um, that makes things happen in this yeah. community. And um, so, yeah, we were pleased to be able to uh, provide that opportunity for those grants for community partners, and are really. Um, pleased to think about um, what might happen in the future. Um, our, our Pathways grant, um, we were a phase two Pathways recipient. There was a phase one okay. um, several years ago when we applied and, and weren't awarded a grant at that time, but we're a phase two recipient. Um, Blue Cross Blue Shield hasn't indicated yet what they plan to do next. Um, it probably won't be Pathways, but um, we're thinking that they're going to do something with food insecurity in general because there's a lot of discussion with the Kansas Health Foundation right now on food insecurity. Um, I think Manhattan Riley County is positioned pretty well to be a part of that discussion given the work that we've done and given the work of the Food and Farm Council. So stay tuned, see what we do next. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of the Pathways to Healthy Kansas, I have a note to talk about it. Uh, it seems like you're, I know we touched on it a little bit as you were talking, uh, but you are in the final year of that four-year grant. Correct. That grant ends um, at the end of July. Okay. Right, right. Yeah. So we're actually right now, what Blue Cross and Blue Shield is ask, asking us to do is to um, put together a sustainability plan in terms of what we plan to do after we don't have Pathways funding mm -hmm. anymore. Um, for us, We'll probably just go back to the way we were before we had pathways funding. We were we were a high functioning coalition before we had any funding. Right. I think we'll just we'll just go back to the way we were. We have enough people that are committed and interested in the work that we do that they volunteer their time. Um, anybody that knows me knows that I'm not afraid to ask for things when we need them mm -hmm. um, and um, or ask for people to partner with us when we need partnerships. So we'll continue. We just won't have any money to do it with, I think. I mean, we'll try and find money, but um, I, the coalition won't go away just because we don't have pathways funding. Some of the other communities actually created their coalitions so they could apply for pathways funding. We already existed. So right. I think we'll just revert back to what we were doing before. Okay. Gotcha. Exciting stuff. And uh, we talked about, obviously, from that four-year grant came the um, cow path, correct? Uh, Fort Riley Boulevard. Yes. Yes. And yes. so uh, what else have we seen and what? how will those kind of 
uh, continue to impact the community after that funding is gone. Sure. Well, a couple of the other projects, for example, the health department uh, received a a small grant to stand up another resist chapter. Um, resist chapters work with use on um, tobacco. And of course, now we're talking about reducing vaping, not just cigarette use, mm-hmm. but, but vaping use. So they have a grant that they're working with um, the high school to implement um, some more visible programs to discourage the use of vaping and tobacco use at the high school. Um, I will say the other thing that the coalition has done this past few years is we advocated and um, were able to get approval by the county, Riley County Commission, to make all county parks smoke-free, which meant that Riley County then is the only county in the state of Kansas where all municipal, well, all publicly owned parks and trails are smoke-free. So the cities, all the cities' parks and trails are smoke-free. All university property, their mm-hmm. parks are smoke-free, and the county parks are smoke-free. So we have the um, distinct honor of being the only county in the state mm-hmm. that all of our, our facilities are designated as smoke-free. So I think we should be pretty proud of that, yeah. actually. So in terms of a health issue, absolutely, we should be proud of that. Absolutely. So, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. So, uh, well, that's really great uh, work. And I wanted to talk about um, your mission statement on your website is to create a healthy, equitable community for our residents through policy system, environmental and personal change. Obviously, talking about your grants and um, all of the things you've done, that's definitely what I can see happening is changing our community to be healthier, to be more equitable, equitable. Uh, What do you why do you think policy system, environmental and personal change are the pillars of the Hills Wellness Coalition? Well, I think it's because it takes it takes change at all of those levels Mm -hmm. to make progress in any direction. Um, You know, for example, I I talked about the community care team where we're working with individuals right where they are to try and help them address whatever challenges they have in their lives. Um, So when you can help an individual have an impact with an individual that's that personal change, but then it's also part of the system then. And so we have worked, our community care team is being held up as an example mm-hmm. as a way that other communities should be working to address issues, particularly right now. Um, you know, the number of individuals who are homeless in this community is yeah. is reaching, I, I wouldn't say it's a crisis, but it's certainly higher than we've seen in recent years. And so um, what do we do then as a system to address then the personal changes that need to happen for those individuals? And some of that then is going to come down to policy decisions. So, you know, locally, um, it would certainly be great if we had um, inpatient mental health services so that we don't have to try and and send people to Osawatomie or Large State Hospital, which have incredibly long wait lists. Right. Um, so many homeless individuals do have mental health needs that we can't address them locally. So if we even had um, a 12-patient inpatient bed here, um, we, we could do a lot. Our hospital used to have a 10-patient a patient bed, and um, yeah. it would be great to bring that back again. So that's why I think that all of so those... Sorry. All of those things have to work together. Um, you right. can't just compartmentalize and do them. Um, you can't can't just do policy without thinking about what what happens to the individual, basically. Yeah. And um, so it it is just again um, not a distinction that the state of Kansas um, brags about, but being fifty first yeah. in the nation when it comes to comes to mental mental health meeting people's mental health needs is we've got a lot of work to do yeah. basically. And I think so much of the work, um, we can't wait for the federal or state government sometimes to help you. You've got to do as much as you can locally. And again, that's, I think Manhattan does a good job of that. Um, and continues to do it with, with limited, limited resources. Um, I also think that we could probably do a better job as a community trying to, um, apply for federal and state funds, after all, those are our tax dollars that are going to to the state and federal government, and we should be doing what we can to leverage those back into the community as much as possible. Can't be all private money; has to be 
has to be some some local money thrown in there to to address the issues. Absolutely. Um, and so tell us a little bit about um, the community needs assessments that you do. So every five years, the Riley County Health Department um, to meet their accreditation is mm-hmm. required to do a community health needs assessment. Um, but they are also required to do that in collaboration with a community coalition. So that's the Flint Hills Wellness Coalition. Mm-hmm. Um, so the last one was done in 2020. We are actually getting ready to um, start start the next one coming up at the end of this year. And this is just an opportunity for the community to tell us what they see as the priorities and unmet needs in the community. Um, we have been fortunate enough to be able to do the needs assessment both in 2015 and 2020 with a grant from the Carolyn Pine Foundation. But then we also had financial support from a number of community spo- um, sponsors. So, for example, City of Manhattan, Conza United Way, Greater Manhattan Community Foundation, uh, um, Ascension Via Christi, um, Riley County Council on Aging, Riley County, Riley County Health Department, Manhattan Surgical Hospital um, have also provided funding towards that. And then we have contracted with, with the Center for Engagement Institute at Wichita State University. Mm-hmm. And we have actually used the same survey um, from 2015 to 2020. We used the same survey for consistency's sake so we can see if we're making progress and we will use that same survey again coming up here in 2024-2025. Again, um, Wichita State University has held up our survey tool as an example for other communities to look at in terms of the way to ask your community the right questions. That survey is actually formatted so that it aligns with the social determinants of health. So we ask questions about housing. We ask questions about transportation. Um, we ask questions about youth, about um, aging, senior services. So we hit on all those areas so that we really get a full picture then of what the community thinks. We tend to get between a thousand to 1200 responses. So we, we get, we get, we get a good response from a survey. Um, and, and it was even hard in 2020 because you know what that year was. And we still still got, got good responses. So, um, And then from that, the health department will do its next community health improvement plan. And then mm-hmm. we will then stand up our next work groups from that. So it will kind of start the process all over again, basically. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's very important. It's important to trust your officials and trust the people that are kind of putting policy in change. But it's also important to trust the people that are living in the community and see what they need. And so I always think that that's uh, a really cool thing that comes out and uh, that there is, you're not just lit working at the top level, you're working here too. Well, the results of these needs assessments have always been powerful advocacy tools yeah. in terms of issues. They also help um, local social service agencies provide that local data that they need that's that's not hard data. I mean, they can get their census data and they can go, but this is what the community actually says is important. Um, the other thing that we did in 2020 that we plan to do again this time too, is that we ask people to tell us which neighborhoods they live in. We, mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. take yeah. a map by census tracts so that we can really focus down on what particular neighborhoods see as, as priorities and needs. So if, if there are issues related to lack of transportation that should jump out from, from that survey or, not enough parks or not enough activities for kids or something like that. So um, we try to get it down to a little more granular level from that standpoint. And I I think that's helpful information too. Absolutely. So you've talked a lot about what you do. What is the favorite part for you about the work that you're able to do with the Flint Hills Wellness Coalition? Um, You know, for me personally right now, it's the work we do through the community care team. Um, We, we and I, I chair that group, and then in in many respects, I'm acting as a community health worker because um, we will get, for example, we get referrals um, through the risk reduction office at the city of Manhattan. Okay, they're not social workers. They're not, you know, and right. so those in those situations, they get transferred to me so that I become the point of contact for that person from that standpoint. Um, I think those situations where we can see that we have made a difference 
in some really tough situations. Um, that for me is kind of what this is all about. Um, and, but on the other side of this though, these are just the individuals that we know about. So I think about all the people that we don't know about that are struggling and, and right. how we could be helping them. But just to give you an idea. So since 2018, we have served, um, 191 individuals, um, in January alone, we have served um, 16 people through the community. January, February, 16 individuals. Um, that's a lot for us in, in a short short period of time. But, yeah. but I will say these are some of the hardest situations that I, I've known about in my time in the community. So when you know you can make a difference um, in those situations, and especially when there's small children involved. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I want to mention, too, is also we have gotten the attention of the Department of Children and Families uh, with our community care team work, and they uh, um, send representatives from Adult Protective Services to sit in on our meetings okay. so that they can be more immediately responsive to those situations with at least adults. We're trying to get a Child Protective Services yeah. investigator, supervisor at the meetings as well. Right. But um yeah, um, I think it's that piece, but also just, um, you know, anytime you make a difference in the community, like I said, um, it's nice to have bragging rights about being the only county in the state that everything's smoke free. That doesn't mean people still don't smoke and vape where they're not supposed to, but at least you have the leverage to tell somebody, hey, did you see the sign saying that this is a smoke free area? So, yeah, right. um, yeah mm -hmm. so those type of things. And um it also just, again, I mean, we always talk about the spirit of collaboration in this community, but this is actual evidence of that spirit of collaboration. And so that's very, very meaningful, I think. Absolutely. I think that that's something that's talked about a lot on our podcast is how yes. the community just grafts around each other and helps each other out so much. And uh, the Flint Hills Wellness Coalition just proves that. It proves uh, how many people are actually working together and um, your resources page on your website shows all of the groups, um, all of the businesses that you guys are working with to make sure that the community continues to thrive. And I think that that's a really great um, thing to see. You can actually physically see what's happening. Yeah. I will mention um, the Wellness Coalition. We also received a Pathways grant that will mm -hmm. allow us to... Um, make our website better. So, <laughs> so, so that is always a good thing. And, yes. um, not to steal your thunder, but, um, our grant is also, we're going to start our own health related podcast series. Oh, nice. Yes. So we're kind of excited about that. So you're yeah, not awesome. stealing our thunder at, not all. at we, all. So, yeah, so we're, we're kind of, we're kind of excited about that. Getting, yeah. awesome. getting, getting all of our own equipment and we're going to do a, um, podcast series. So yeah, on health related issues in the community. So yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. I may come to you guys for advice on how to do things. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we would love to help. Uh, and speaking of, uh, there are a lot of resources on your page with different community groups. Uh, how can other businesses, other people um, help? How can they get involved? Sure. Well, um, a couple of ways. Um, you can just send an email to info at flinthillswellness.org and um, say you're interested in being involved. Um, we do have a form on our website that you can complete and get involved that way. Or people can just call me directly. Um, I think everybody in town has my phone number anyway. <laughs> so it's 785-341-1143. Um, one of the other projects that I failed to mention, and I feel badly, um, we have also, we were the first community in Kansas to become affiliated with Dementia Friendly America. So we have been working um, to become a dementia friendly community. Um, our project is Dementia Friendly Manhattan. And we are getting ready to start offering training um, in March to businesses and organizations that want to um, have their staff learn ways to be more sensitive to interacting with individuals that might have a memory loss or a dementia diagnosis. And then after staff people take that training, they, the business will be able to display a sticker, a window cling that mm -hmm. says we're a dementia friendly organization. And then, um, they'll have information that they can share with people in their, in their business about what they have done to be more sensitive to, to people that have a memory loss or a dementia diagnosis. So we're pretty happy about that that program too. And I forgot to mention it. Yeah, so. no, that's absolutely amazing. We do a lot of different things, I guess. So mm -hmm. we, we're not, 
you can't pitch us, pigeonhole us into one thing. So yeah. we're, we're doing a lot of different stuff. So Absolutely. Yeah. And then you kind of mentioned um, about website and you're going to be revamping that. Um, what all what all places can people find information in the website? Do you have social media? So we do. Uh, we have we have a Facebook page. It's just Flint Hills Wellness <clears throat> Coalition, and then um, then our website. Um, we're not real Instagram, Twitter, not Twitter X. Um, <laughs> anyway, I know it's forever going to be that. It's fine. X, formerly known as Twitter, is that what you you're supposed to say? Yeah. Anyway, um, but um, we do we do use our Facebook page a lot for getting information out. So, okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, and then uh, you talked about you guys meet every third Thursday. So we meet the second Thursday second of the Thursday. month uh, from 12 to 1. We meet in the boardroom at the Riley County Health Department, 2030 to Comes the Road. Um, but Zoom is also an option for people who who can't attend in person, although we really do encourage in-person attendance at those meetings. And if you just want to come and visit to see what we do, Feel free to drop in. Um, mm-hmm. We don't have a membership requirement or fee per se. Um, anybody that's welcome, anybody that's interested in and um, wanting to find out what we can do can just come to a meeting. So um, generally anywhere from 20 to 40 people are at the meeting any given month. Um, I will say we did cancel the February or the March 14th meeting because of spring break, we figured most people would be out of town. So we won't meet again until April April. 11th. I think will be the the second Thursday of the month. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, And then I know you, you have the four work groups, which may or may not change based on the community needs assessment that comes out, but their housing, mental health, transportation, and public school health education. Um, those groups also meet at various times throughout the month. I'm assuming that if anyone wants to learn more specifically about those groups, they should just reach out on your website. They should, or just send an email to info okay. at flinthillswellness.org. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Well, Becky, I think that that's all the questions that I have. That's all the questions I have as well. So thank you so much for joining us today. Learned so much more about Flannels Wallace Coalition than I ever realized that you guys did. So, well, definitely. thanks for the opportunity to share. Like I said, we we try not to brag on ourselves too much, so it's it's yeah. great to have this opportunity to talk about what we do. Yeah. And it's so important to know about what you guys do as well behind Thank the you. scenes. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you. All right, Becky, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on the next couple weeks? Well, Katie, today is actually the first day of Women's History Month. It is. Happy March. Happy Women's History Month. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of events and stuff centered around that coming up in the next few weeks. Obviously, check Facebook and all your normal places, and I'll try to make sure to get stuff uploaded onto our community calendar on littleapplepost.com for those events that are around um, that topic. Also today... um, Absolutely. And I just want to say, like, since you brought it up, yeah, there is a community calendar on the Little Apple Post. If you go to the More tab, yes, uh, and it says Calendar, there's a big calendar with all of these events um it tells you everything that's going on for the month and if you feel if you have an event or you know of something going on and you want you think people should know about it there's a form you can fill out and that will also um help us know what's going on in the community um but it also helps your event get some uh great traffic so absolutely make sure you go check that out and fill out that form if you have an event that you want to see on here. Definitely. So also today, tonight, I guess I should say, um, the Wareham Hall is hosting Clueless. Mm -hmm. And so that's for, you know, you 90s kids that (laughs) (laughs) that like that movie. Uh, I will be honest, Katie, that is, I feel like it's a pretty good movie. It is a great movie. Yeah. Love. Uh, So there'll be that. That's starting at 7 o'clock tonight. Uh, So if you've got... There's actually a lot of things happening tonight. Uh, there's Clueless at the Wareham. Uh, there's also the Class Act Comedy Tour at Manhattan Entertainment Company. Yes. That starts at 7.30. They're a um, comedy group that tours. They're out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, I believe. I think so, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, if you're 
in the moon to laugh definitely check that out at manhattan entertainment company i'm sure on their website you can find out information about tickets and getting signed up for that yes and for those that maybe aren't sure where manhattan entertainment company is they are located in candlewood shopping center over off of kimball just west of seth child so absolutely for those. and then i think the event that i'm most excited about tonight uh is manhattan high school uh their thespian troupe their performing arts department is performing mama mia tonight oh tomorrow and on sunday they have two shows on saturday um tonight at seven o'clock saturday at two and seven and then another show at two on sunday i am a ridiculously huge fan of mama mia and so i'm very excited to watch this i'm actually gonna go watch i was gonna say how many of these shows are we gonna find katie at uh, probably just one oh, okay. um yeah, my husband probably wouldn't entertain more than one, but okay. Uh, I'm very excited about it. I think it'll be really good. Um, and you're not only supporting the Manhattan High School Arts Department, you are also going to support a local food pantry. So tickets are $8, but if you bring a canned food item to donate to the local food pantry, your ticket is only $6. That's cool. Yeah. So, that's so awesome. And this I think is, that's very cool. Yeah, and this is high schoolers putting on mm -hmm. this performance and then, yeah, being able to support a local nonprofit as well is, that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. So yeah. it's super cheap, $6 in a canned food item, or if you don't have a canned food item to donate, it's 8 bucks, which is really not that bad. So It's cheaper than a movie. It is cheaper than a movie. <laughs> so go check out Mamma Mia. And then, as always, on Saturday, we have the downtown Manhattan Farmer's Market going on from 9 to 1. Mm -hmm. That's located in that parking lot at the corner of Leavenworth and 3rd Street and 4th Street. And, you know, you've got your locally grown fruits, produce, like everything you could think of, you could find it there. And probably some things you don't even know. Yep. But they... as you know, weather permitting, they will be out there still doing their winter hours with the nine o'clock start time. And just mm -hmm. you can go out and find some of our guests that we've had from past shows out there. And yeah. who knows, you might find somebody out there that you want to suggest to us for a future show. So absolutely. 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. And I will also note that uh, Houston Street by the mall is closed. Yes. So uh, make sure to go around. Uh, <laughs> you'll have you might have to take yes. a detour all the way around the mall if you're going that direction. Yeah. From Third Street, yeah. But they will. That parking lot is still open. They will still be out there. Yes. So no worries. Yep. For sure. Just a little. Maybe just a little change in your route of how you get to the farmers market this weekend. So. Absolutely. And, and then <laughs> Saturday night. Yeah. Uh, there is going to be dueling pianos at Liquid Art Winery. So uh, oh, this is a cool fun. event. Uh, it is also um, Liquid Art is partnering partnering with a nonprofit called Envision. Okay. Um, so first of all, dueling pianos is um, it's entertainment. It's two pianists that are going to be dueling. It's um, there's going to be dancing, and then they'll also have a guided wine tour. Oh, cool. Uh, so they'll give you dueling wines to taste. Okay. Uh, which is kind of fun. And uh, I believe any piano tips uh, are going to Envision, which is a nonprofit that helps those who are blind or visually impaired. Okay. Um, and so, uh, yeah, any tips will go to that nonprofit. Um, but it'll be a lot of fun. It's a great event anyways. And uh, the doors open at 5. Guided wine tasting starts at 6.30, and then the dueling pianos are going to start at 7. Gotcha. That sounds like it could be a pretty fun time, and just not to, you know, that's that's a lot of stuff to get for that that price of that ticket. I mean, you think that mm -hmm. price tag kind of looks kind of daunting when you first look at it, but you realize what all you're getting from it. Yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely it's, an amazing value. So ticket prices, I think they start at $100. That gets you two tickets and two tastings. Um it goes up from there, and you can get more tastings, more tickets. Um, but yeah, it's definitely it's three hours of the dueling pianos entertainment. So it's oh, that's awesome. it'll be it'll fill your whole night for yeah. sure. 
So on Wednesday, Katie, we have the monthly Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce's Military Relations Committee Luncheon. Mm -hmm. This month, we will be at the Holiday Inn at the campus, and they are hosting the Kansas City Recruiting Battalion Command Team. And this team will be providing uh, information about their latest recruitment goals, significant changes, and also just kind of helping to dispel those myths and those misconceptions around joining the army so just kind of an informational nice. thing while you eat some lunch yeah so and lunch is always good it is always good <laughs> there's always something delicious and of course when they change locations it's a different menu and mm-hmm. but always something yummy so. yeah uh, also Wednesday, March 6th, uh, that evening, there's going to be Singo at Finn's Neighborhood Pub. Uh, that's from 7 to 9. And I know Becky went last week. That's a new thing that they're starting. Yes. Tell us what that is. So they're doing this every other week. Um, they're doing it in place of Trivia Night. Um, okay. They'd had Trivia Night, but hadn't seen a whole lot of interest. Um, and now that they've added Singo, there's quite a few more people and honestly it was a blast okay so you get your little bingo card for each round and it either has musical artists or it has song titles and the um, guy running it will play a short length of the song and you have to figure out either who sings it or what the name of the song is and see if you've got that on one of your squares on your bingo card and then you mark it off and then if you get five in a row then obviously you're getting a bingo and then you can win a prize and Finn's is um last time Finn's was doing gift cards to use at Finn's so pretty cool yeah very cool um so definitely go check that out, yeah, especially a lot of, if you're into music, if you're into bingo, yes. it'll be fun. And a lot of people like were singing along with the songs yeah. and stuff as it went, so that was a lot of fun, yeah. Nice. Uh, and then Thursday, March 7th, uh, there's going to be Business Brew. That is a chamber coffee networking event that's from 8 in the morning to 9 in the morning. Yes. Um, and so that's at Manhattan Running Company. Yeah, they had these before, um, had them titled a different name before COVID started or mm-hmm. before COVID happened. And they are finally getting them started back up. It's a really a great way to meet some of the other chamber members in a kind of come and go setting, just yeah. grab a cup of coffee. And the cool part is the coffee's there at the event. So, like, you don't have to bring your own. Yeah. You can get your coffee from the event, and they even sometimes have, like, some cool breakfast snacks and stuff like that, too. Yeah, definitely a good way to get your coffee uh, started in the morning and a good networking event all around. Absolutely. Saturday, March 9th, there, the Downtown Farmer's Market is going to be open again. They're still in their winter hours, 9A to 1P. Not sure if Houston Street will still be closed. It Pretty probably sure it will. Is. I yeah. think it's going to be closed for a while. If I remember correctly, it's going to be closed about two months. Yeah. And then it'll shift towards the west as okay. they slowly improve Houston Street from 3rd Street through 5th Street. So. so remember for the next two Saturdays to alter your route um, for the farmer's market and uh, make sure to check it out. Yeah. Both weeks. And then depending upon... Your personality. <laughs> uh, Sunday is technically daylight is when the start of daylight savings time. Yeah. So you need to change your clocks. So sad, sad. It is spring forward. It is so. So an hour in my mind, you ahead. lose an hour of sleep. Yeah, that's um, the negative and Nancy way. Yeah, you have to, I know. You're springing forward. You're jumping into the spring season. We're I know. manifesting. Warm weather, we're manifesting flowers. Yes, absolutely. And we're moving our clocks just an hour ahead. Yeah, and then, you know, that also means that hopefully it'll be a little lighter later in the evening instead of being dark by the time I get home. Yes, absolutely. That is the worst part about winter is I leave work and I leave home and it's dark and I go home and it's dark. And Yes. Now it's going to be bright. I know, I'm so excited. You can go for a walk and... Be merry. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, exactly. But no, um, so what I was meaning is, yeah, if you're one of those people who tends to forget, um, highly recommend set an alarm Saturday evening to change your clocks before yes. you go to bed. Don't forget to change your clock. Thankfully, my cell phone changes itself. Yes. So don't have to worry about that. And that is my main alarm clock. So as long as I remember to plug it in so it charges... We're golden. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so just kind of, yeah, keep that in mind. Otherwise, um, you know, you 
I'm trying to remember. Would this make you late for stuff, right? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Might delete that. <laughs> Felt cute. Might delete well, it later. Because if you move, <laughs> if you move an hour ahead of what your normal speed is, you think it's nine a.m. It's actually ten a.m. Um, so it will make yeah, you late. Yeah, it would make you late if okay. you have something going on on Sunday. But mm. luckily, everyone, as far as we know, everyone was smart and and just taking care of this. There's like, no events on Sunday, March yeah. 10th, that we could find. Yeah. So, so they only yeah they only give you they give things. you Manhattan the town as far as we know gives you a couple days. The next <laughs> event we found was, well, was Tuesday, Tuesday, March twelfth, and that is hypes lattes with leadership. That's also another chamber event uh, from eight in the morning to nine in the morning at Brothers Coffee. Yes, yeah, so that's another one of those networking. Um, mm-hmm. Events and that one's geared more towards what they consider young professionals. Um, okay. Katie, you would qualify in that category. I technically Thank you for calling me young. You're welcome. So I technically sweet. graduated out of that category. If we want to get real technical, <laughs> um, but I think they'd probably Is there let an me. age limit on this leadership event. Um, well, it's one of those things where like they consider young professionals, I believe, up to the age of forty. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> and interesting. And I might be above that age. Okay. So. Well, we're not going to tell uh, any 40-sums not to go. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they would still we'll welcome let, we think any you'll pass. age. Yeah. We think you'll Absolutely. pass. Uh, but definitely check that out. Another great networking event for yes. the chamber. Um, and more coffee. Yeah, absolutely. And you know me, I got to have the coffee. Mm-hmm. So then on Wednesday the 13th is Business After Hours with the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. Here we are again, giving the Chamber of Commerce lots of love this week <laughs> um, on our podcast. They've got so a lot going on. They do. And um, this Business After Hours is from 530 to 7. And this week it is hosted by the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation down here on Points. Mm-hmm. And it's a great way to... Um, Again, it's a great way to network. They usually have um, door prizes. And then depending upon the week and the location, sometimes there's big announcements. Like the last one was when WTC made their announcement about expanding their uh, footprint and being able to serve all of the residential in the next 36 months here in Manhattan. So Mm -hmm. never know what you might learn at these business after hours. And sometimes it's just going around and meeting new people. So. Absolutely. And I think that that is all the news, all the events going on for the next couple weeks until our next episode. I think so. And uh, we just want to, again, thank Debbie. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and telling us everything that Flint Hills Wellness Coalition does behind the scenes. Yes, It was a ton of information, but we are so glad to know uh, what you guys are doing behind the scenes, how you were growing and... um, being involved in our community and i think that that's really what it's all about yes so maybe we'll have to have them back on to go a little bit more in depth on some things but yeah again thank you so much debbie for checking us out and you can uh check them out at their website flinthillswellness.org yes thank you again to debbie we're so glad that you were able to stop by and chat with us I learned so much that I didn't even realize that they did. So that's always great. So, And as always, remember, a locally grown apple a day keeps our community unique in every way. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.